1: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we're going to be taking a look ahead to some of the events, at least, that are going to be shaping investment decisions in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means finding out whether there is room for a budget boost from the Chancellor And we'll be talking about what's on the agenda for the IMF and World Bank meetings. All that's coming up this week. I'm joined in the studio by The Times economics editor, Philip Aldrich, Robert Lee, our industrial editor. And on the line from Westminster, we have Sam Coates, deputy political editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Sam, perhaps we can start with you. You've obviously been very busy at the party conference season. I've got a little clip here from Philip Hammond's speech in which he appears to acknowledge that all of us are weary of rising prices and falling spending back. Here he is. Colleagues, we need to listen to those fears and concerns. We need to acknowledge the weariness at the long slog back from Labour's recession. The pressure on living standards caused by slow wage growth and a spike in inflation. The frustration among the young who fear that the combination of student debt and sky-high rents and house prices will condemn them never to access the opportunities of property ownership their parents enjoy. Sam, your overall impression of of what the Chancellor was telling us, he does acknowledge that we're all pretty weary, although why he blames it on Labour, I'm not quite sure.
2: Um, He blames it on Labour because it's Tory party conference. Um, Hello, I think that what Philip Hammond did in that speech on Monday absolutely encapsulates the dilemma, the problem, as it were, the nightmare For the Conservative Party. Yes, after seven years of the Conservatives in power, we've had seven years of austerity. People are weary. The cuts do bite. People are hurting. Cost of living squeeze has uh, had a real effect on people's lives. But Philip Hammond would be the first to tell you that there is no money left. Today that we saw the downgrade uh, in the productivity forecast the Treasury are expected to receive from the OBR next week. We also saw a series of spending prom- uh, promises by cabinet ministers this week, including Theresa May, in order to help round the edge. Uh, but essentially, the government, this government, the conservative government, have a big problem. They have very tight fiscal rules uh, that require that commit Britain to a balanced budget overall surplus by 2025. They uh, have uh, a little bit of headroom for Brexit, but that looks like it's being squeezed and they have lots and lots and lots of items that they need to pay for. Ever since Theresa May's disastrous election, Cabinet Ministers and the Prime Minister have been racking up bills, whether it's £1 for the DUP, an unknown number of billion for an insurance premium change. Even before the election, there was the decision to to abandon and do a U-turn on the central budget measure to raise national insurance for the self-employed. All of these things mean there's huge spending pressure before Philip Hammond gets out his fresh checkbook uh, for the budget next month. This is a a big dilemma. Um, uh, The list of things that people want to spend money on is huge. They want to spend money on pay increases in the public sector, uh, possibly uh, reducing the cost of rail prices. Uh, They want to spend money on housing. We saw a £2 billion commitment to that. Yes, just yesterday. Uh, They want to send. uh, Some people want uh, more money for social housing, uh, for the voluntary sector, uh, for the NHS. You cannot do it all, particularly given the constraints that government has put on itself. Yet Philip Hammond is also acknowledging that people are tired of austerity. Um, There is no way of of squaring this circle. So in the end, one of the problems with Tory party conference this week is that on fiscal, um, uh, fiscal matters, as so much else, the government wanted to have
3: its cake and eat it. Sam, hi. There was that joke that Theresa May made in her in her uh, catastrophic speech the, about the Chancellor giving something away for free when he gave her that locket. Um, he he has actually, obviously, been trying to hold on to a little bit of money uh, because he needs a Brexit contingency budget, effectively. Um, and and these so this this potential downgrade that the OBR is going to come up with at the budget on November the twenty second um, to the public finances could could be. disastrous if he's as you say he's he's got all of these expenditure pressures and uh, he's going to have automatically less in the kitty anyway because just the trajectory of growth uh, and productivity is going to mean that the 26 billion war chest he was expected to have by 2021 um, may be significantly lower so yeah there's there's the, the, the the economics and the politics are getting sort of sort of terribly but, wrapped up at the moment imagine you're in the sitting in the treasury right now your biggest problem was that
2: disastrous election that Theresa May called and then didn't win an overall majority that means that the governing party the conservatives do not have an automatic overall majority in the house of commons they've got to deal with the dp on some things but they've got to negotiate the hell out of anything that they do if they're going to get dp support what does that mean in practice it means that all of a sudden you cannot raise taxes, which is what the Treasury would normally be trying to do at a time like this in order to claw back some of the money. It cannot do additional spending cuts because, um, as the Chancellor said, people are weary of austerity. In particular, there is a; uh, it is now politically verboten and uh, in terms of commons, it's impossible to get through reductions in the welfare bill. Um, and then if you start extending the time horizon uh, by which you seek an overall surplus, you'll be accused of giving in Labour politically, being Labour-like. You already saw. Theresa May's speech being called Edmund Light yesterday because of uh, the managed approach to the economy with uh, the introduction of things like energy price cap, something that most of our, part, uh, lots of our party thought we'd done away with after the election. The politics of the moment, particularly given the election, are a nightmare for this government. And that's even before you get substantively onto Brexit.
1: Bob, let me bring you in here. You're our industrial editor. What are the businesses that you talk to thinking about this? After all, they're the ones who are creating the jobs and, uh, and paying us our wages.
0: I think we're seeing uh, business uh, sitting and waiting to find out uh, what the end game is of of Brexit. Uh, They want transitional period at the end of Brexit uh, to uh, stop us coming off a a cliff edge. Uh, But at the moment, they actually just don't know uh, which way the land is lying. We've seen it with the uh, the, the latest car retail sales figures. This is um, a serious sector for the economy. Uh, it employs nearly 200,000 people in manufacturing, 800,000 all told. And we've seen a near 10% drop off in car sales in September, one of the key months of the year because of the registration Plate change, The car industry isn't a straightforward economic indicator, because there are various numbers of things which are actually uh, driving car sales. But what we actually do have is, as it is for the consumer, as it is for business, that people are getting worried about the implications of Brexit, which is essentially imported inflation, and uh, the spectre of um, interest rate rises.
3: Businesses are not in... Are certainly worried about if by the by the end of this year there is no agreement on a transition uh, arrangement, then why are they going to put the money that they do have into the UK when uh, they're going to have to start thinking about, you know, the No Deal type of Brexit that um, that Theresa May has. Warned about, um, and so we've even seen it. The Bank of England has done an agents' reports, so where they has come around the country and spoken to businesses, and and they are saying that the that the money that they have to invest, they are going to invest overseas. They are actually putting that overseas because it's um it's a safer investment. They have to use their money to generate some return, and it is a better investment to put it overseas. And obviously, there's the the other way of looking at which the Bank of England doesn't collect is the opinions of overseas companies. Who uh, who will not be investing in the UK? So so the sort of Brexit uncertainty is really getting coming to a head at the moment.
1: Sam, I'm getting a sense here. I, I don't know about you, but there is becoming a serious disconnect between, if you like, what we used we like to refer to as the Westminster bubble and UK PLC outside. Is that unfair? Do the government realise the ministers that count? Do they really know how badly business is suffering at the moment?
3: Um.
2: Uh, I would say that they are told by businesses, particularly at party conference season where ministers meet a lot of business figures, uh, they are being told how bad it is. Uh, But at the moment, the political situation in this country is in an all but state of paralysis because of that general election and the requirement that we didn't deliver an overmajority and the requirement to do Brexit, the complexity of it and the political turbulence causing both inside the Conservative Party and, oddly enough, the the, the Labour Party. Um, Why does there feel like there's a disconnect? Well, there is a bit of a conspiracy of silence um, inside both the Labour Party and the Tory Party to play down the the problems of Brexit, particularly the economic consequences of different models of Brexit, um, because neither party can reconcile its coalitions, their internal coalitions over what, what to do. So they're all, normally if there's a problem in British politics caused by the Labour Party, then the Tory Party will pop up complain. When the Tory party have a problem, Labour will pop up and and complain. What's breaking our system at the moment is that both the major parties are trying to play down the significance of, frankly, the biggest and most existential question facing this country, meaning that no side is fully acknowledging the concerns of business or repeating the concerns of business. And frankly... Business groups seem to think we are heading towards something of an emergency. Now, that's not language that you often hear from representatives of business groups. Uh, Some businesses more badly affected than others, but it's being made quite clear to government that by the end of the year, they've got to have done three things when it comes to Brexit. One is to start conversations about future trade deal with the European Union. The second is to have finally fully agreed a transition deal, uh, legally enforceable, so that finance directors don't have to start looking at taking business overseas uh, in order to hedge in case of a hard Brexit. And thirdly, outline the shape of the Brexit deal that we want and get the outline of an agreement with the European Union. My sense from Tory conference this week is that is not going to happen. And I can't underscore how serious this is. The thing that business is begging for is not politically fully deliverable, except in a sort of fantasy land of some of the prime minister's remarks. Nobody's credible inside the cabinet seemed to think that that was that that was likely from top to bottom. There is a massive problem here. We are in a very, very bad way. Um, and politics is downplaying the seriousness because Brexit is a headache for both main political
3: parties. I just think the tragedy at the moment of of the political stalemate is that the the sensible wing of both the Labour Party and the the Tory party who want to get, Brexit done in in, a, in as least damaging a way as possible, uh, are joined up. You know, Generally, their policies on you know, having a transition and getting as close a, a relationship with Europe as possible are, are on the same page. And if those two wings could somehow get together, and there was a, a sort of a coalition of politicians on Brexit, we could probably, you know, get through this in a sensible way. But Obviously, the politics for Labour to join up with the Tories uh, to push through what might be a successful Brexit, it's, it's not in their interests, as the Liberal Democrats learned from their coalitions with the Tories. And, and clearly, there's this sort of uh, the headbangers in, uh, in the Tory party who are hellbent on a different type of Brexit. So it feels like the country's being kind of held hostage to these, these political processes.
0: And I think the, uh, the fundamental disconnect that Sam was talking about is manifest in Westminster didn't believe what business was saying about Brexit, warning about Brexit. And now businesses warning about they're suffering uh, because of the impact uh, on the economy. And again, I don't think ministers and I don't think a lot of MPs actually believe uh, what business is saying. And that's an issue for business because uh, they're, they're regarded as um, sort of overstating the case. Um, we None of us know what the actual uh, result is going to be. Uh, but this continual overstatement of the case by business has, on one level, scared parliamentarians but put
1: them to a situation where they don't know what to believe all right well we'll leave that there for the moment still plenty to talk about though The International Monetary Fund and World Bank, those well-funded institutions in Washington, will be holding their joint annual meeting in Washington. Philip Aldrich is going to be out there, our economics editor. But first, let's listen to a clip here from Christine Lagarde. She's the managing director of the IMF and what she had to say on her view of the state of the nation when talking about the World Economic Outlook published recently by the IMF we are not exactly sure what the forecast will look for the united kingdom because clearly the uncertainties surrounding uh, the terms of brexit and the length of the transition period which seems to be now pretty well accepted as a principle considering what has been said um, as late as yesterday actually and we remain expecting uh, as to what the uh, the fiscal policies will be what the reforms uh, will happen in the us both in re- in relation to taxation in relation to Uh, the healthcare reforms and obviously investment in infrastructure. Well, that was Christine Lagarde there. Philip, anything that you think is going to be a standout point on the agenda this year? And why why, why does it affect us? Or is it just a talking shop for them to play host to all their member nations who support their... Generous way of life, if I might put it that way.
3: Yeah. Um, yes, it's worth remembering. I'm not bitter, that, by the way. Yes, the IMF uh, staff don't pay taxes; they they have a special deal. Um, the bitter. the uh, Brexit will be a, a major agenda on the meetings, inevitably. Um, uh, but that can also be seen in the broader context of the the sort of global uh, uh, trade protectionist trade war, trade row. Uh, type of issues which, uh, you know, have, have reared up particularly under the the uh, Trump administration in the US. Um, I think there's one other uh, element here which is going to be important at the IMF is the central bank unwinding of QE um, uh, and interest rate rises uh, in a way, that, that could actually be the bigger issue, as, as they are the guardians of the sort of international financial system. Um, and as interest rate rises, we, there are all sorts of uh, bubbles and <clears throat> instability in the international markets, which which could be exposed by rising interest rates and quantitative easing being uh, withdrawn as as is now happening in the US the UK looks like there's going to be rate rises uh, potentially in November the European Central Bank is going to start limiting its QE sometime early next year uh, so that the, these these movements in bond markets international markets are going to actually have genuine repercussions globally uh, and on on people's house households through uh, the movement of, of global economics. So that, that obviously the, their job is to is to try and work out a smooth a process where everyone, where countries and institutions all work together. I mean that's the whole principle of the IMF uh, to try and get the best outcome for everyone. The problem is they haven't really delivered. They haven't realized that ideal since two thousand and nine, when we had the crisis, and uh, that was the only time in in recent memory where. Uh, the institution the members the 189 members of the imf all really did join together to come up with a concerted effort for to lift global growth and after after that once the crisis had abated a little bit everyone got back to their sort of um, parochial nationalist uh, issues um, so there, there'll be that that t- tension uh, in uh, in washington
1: sam there from washington i mean obviously uh, philip hammond will be there Uh, and uh, the Bank of England representatives. But from your point of view, I mean, an interest rate rise in November, the time the Chancellor delivers his budget. I mean, how much worse is it going to get for Philip Hammond at this rate? An interest rate rise when so many people are borrowed to the hilt?
2: Oh, um, uh, it's it's barely begun, uh, Philip Hammond's traumas. I think that um, November um, could be a month that Philip Hammond remembers with regret for the rest of his life. I, I, I cannot see... Um, how they square the numbers in the budget given the pressures of the things that they've got to pay for, uh, the downgrading forecasts and the underlying numbers and the political priorities that he's been set. It just seems impossible. Um, You've had a government, a conservative government since 2010, that has placed full store on trying to fix the the deficit uh, and the uh, underlying economic problems and the enormous debt that we've got. And it looks like the most likely outcome of where we are at the moment is we're just going to have to come off that, at which point politically they'll open themselves up, um, up to accusations that they're singing to Jeremy Corbyn's uh, tune. Philip Hammond will be aghast that that's the politics of his budget and will do everything he can uh, to stop it. Um, but given the parliamentary arithmetic and the general political context and Theresa May's weakness, it will be all, that, all, all but impossible. The knowledge that interest rate rises are just around the corner, will only increase the pressure on him to keep... The whole reason he wanted headroom was because he was worried about uncertainty in the uh, months leading up to and immediately after Brexit. Uh, It is precisely that kind of headroom that's being whittled away, uh, and that's even before we get to interest rate rises. So, yes, I think it's... um, I mean, I think they're pretty miserable in the Treasury at the moment because they know what's coming. Things are not about to get better.
3: Yeah, I think the uh, November could be a, a real clincher of a month because you've got the interest rate decision which is right at the start on the 2nd of november i think then you've obviously got the budget the autumn budget on the 22nd of november we've also we still have to have the industrial strategy uh, which uh hope th- these that could be a good point if um if the government comes out with something that business does rally behind then uh, that might mitigate some of the some of the other uh, more pessimistic events coming of course the bank may delay its uh, interest rate decision until february next year because they haven't guaranteed a november rate rise um, and given the forward guidance that mark carney's come up with in the past um it's highly likely that uh, things will happen later than he projected
0: November, the month of mists. It's such a dreary month anyway. I'm really looking
1: forward to it now. Me. Well, thank you all very much indeed on that mellow note, Bob. Uh, that's about it for now. But watch out for Philip Aldrich's reports and analysis from those uh, IMF and World Bank meetings. Uh, and then also be financial updates to watch out for. They're scheduled from Booker, Ted Baker and WH Smith, along with Sky, the satellite broadcaster. There's all that and the other news and analysis online, on your phones, tablets and in the paper, of course. If you'd like to become a subscriber and you're not one already, then you can sign up at thetimes.co.uk and... And also, uh, you can receive our daily morning and lunchtime business bulletin emails. If you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes and uh, feel free to post your comments. My thanks, as always, to uh, Philip Aldrich, Robert Lee and Sam Coates. They're all on Twitter, so you know what to do. Please join us again next week. And thanks for listening.